Welcome to the Salesforce Drop, presented by Anubis Solutions. Each episode, we will bring you some of the best stories from the world of enterprise technology. We invite industry influencers to provide unique commentary and useful information on the stories shaping our ecosystem. I am your host, Alex Garcia, CEO and co-founder of Anubis Solutions. Don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to your podcast. On this episode of the Salesforce Drop, John Cusera from Salesforce and our CTO, Giancarlo, going on a deeper dive with Salesforce flows and the changes that are happening to workflows and process builders. Um, so welcome very much to the show, John. We um, really appreciate you coming uh, on and um, elaborating further about the plant and what's happening uh, with Salesforce and, and the flows. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm excited to be here. Awesome. With this change, I know that a lot of Salesforce customers are really looking for more information, just like us. We put out the podcast and we received a lot of good feedback saying, hey, you know, this is great stuff. It's helping us prepare, but we still feel that we need to know more. And so I really appreciate you coming on here to talk to us about uh, what the changes mean to Salesforce customers and then you know how organizations like Anube and partners can support Salesforce customers as well to be successful with the changes that are coming. And so without further ado, I'm going to step back because ultimately I would love for this to be a conversation amongst our technical CTO and, and you, but you know, um, I want to lead by saying thank you so much. And you know, we look forward to learning as much as we can from you and the Salesforce team about some great changes. Yeah, we're really excited about them and I'm happy to talk through it. Uh, so let's get into it. Okay, let's get into it. So with the release of the Salesforce Goes With Flow blog and all the announcements you have around flows and process builders and workflow rules, we want to clear up a little bit what does the timeline you released means? What's what's the next plan and when are you ending support? How are you ending support for process builders and workflows? Yes, and I will use words very precisely because that matters for a bunch of this. And so we did not announce an end of support, full stop. That was not the announcement. Your existing workflow rules and process builder processes will continue to be supported. We are debating if we should do that at some point, but that has not been decided or announced. What we announced was an intent to end of life and basically specifically an intent to end of sale. And so what those words mean to me is that, and to you, in about a year, a little bit less, our plans are to say, you can't make more workflow rules and you can't make more process builder processes. That does not mean that you can't edit the ones that you still have. That does not mean that you won't be able to install app exchange apps with those workflow rules or processes included. Specifically, it means you can't make more. And the reason that we felt so good about that is that we think that flow is strictly superior in so many ways. And so the core dates, a couple months ago, we said, all right, Next October, you won't be able to make more rules. Start learning flows. And then in February, we're planning to introduce a workflow migration tool as beta. This will help you look at your existing workflow rules and convert them to flows. We plan to make that generally available 
in June. We'll make it fancier and go into a few more capabilities. We're also going to introduce a process builder migration tool. And we expect that to be GA. Of course, uh, safe harbor, don't buy anything we haven't built yet. Uh, and then that should hopefully give you the confidence to start thinking about whether you want to migrate existing tools. But you don't have to migrate your workflow rules or process builder processes by October. That date is really just saying you can't make more. So start learning flow. And that's the bulk of what we plan to announce and the impact for our customers. Sounds great. I totally agree with that. Flow, it's an amazing tool. I love it. We here at Nuit love flows and love working with everything in flows. And that's why I want to ask how and why flows are better than workflow rules and process builders. Sure. Uh, so first, uh, I'll give you a little bit of background. I used to be on point for a lot of lightning transition. And so I think about these big changes with that in mind. Lightning was kind of the biggest change. We broke our brand promise to customers. We have said for 20 years, hey, customers, we are going to deliver innovation to you and you don't have to do work. You just get it and you don't have to change. With Lightning, we said, well, we think Lightning's so much better. We're willing to break that promise and ask you to do work, but we're going to make it so overwhelmingly better that you're going to want to get there. And we're going to give you tools to help get there and help ease that transition. And so that's the same mindset we've had with Flow. We've had workflow rules for over a decade. We've had Process Builder for probably six years. They're both very good at what they do. We think Flow is better at a bunch of things. So number one, performance. Many of you have told us performance is the number one feature you care about. You want to make sure that every time you click the Save button on an opportunity, or you do an API update or create of a case, that that needs to stay within the Salesforce governor limits, especially for the heavily trafficked objects. We have a lot of business logic. Process builder is slow. Workflow rules are faster, but still significantly slower than our record triggered flows. And the reason for that is the successor for workflow rules is doing updates before it goes to the Salesforce database. And so the database is the slowest part when you're clicking the save button. And so by avoiding going back to the database over and over again, flows can update much, much faster. So what this means for you all, you don't have to worry about that 10 second CPU limit. You don't have to worry about adding a lot of declarative business logic. Now code is always going to be faster. So if you need extreme performance, Apex, functions, other things like that, async, that's always going to be a great way to go. But this will expand the adoption capabilities for low-code tools because you'll now have that performance budget within those saves. That also means your, your users aren't waiting as long with a spinner when they click the save button. So that's one of the big things. Then there's stuff like power. We let you do loops. We let you do queries. Uh, we let you do much fancier things to create your business logic and flow. So there's a lot more you can do without going to, to uh, code. We further have things like more actions. We're going to be creating a bunch of actions for managing Slack channels. We're going to be do other things for managing posts. Those will only be available in flow. 
Then there's a ton of smaller things like quality of life stuff that many of the folks that have used process builder workflow know and hate, but uh, might not make uh, anyone's top feature list. Things like process builder has the worst list view in all of Salesforce. You ever wanted to share a link to a process? You can't. You ever want to right click open a new tab? You can't. You ever want to just click the back button? No, that doesn't work. So like basic small things like this are solved in flow. We have templates. We have more trigger options. Did you know that you can trigger before delete with flow? You can use this for basically declarative roll up summary field type of logic. Hey, I want to add the amounts when I add a record and I need to decrement it before I delete. You can do that with flow. You can't do it with process builder workflow rules. Uh, it's the same tool set as ScreenFlows, NBA, and more. And so we feel really, really confident that there's a huge amount of big and small stuff that are just better with Flow and why we are so confident in making that announcement. Alex, you have something to say. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. And, and I will be the first to say that I've had the opportunity to work with some very large and amazing organizations that overextended the use of some of these tools. And and, and we saw the effects of that, right? And, and ultimately, Process Builder was a, was a very big and necessary upgrade to workflows because you know sort of the the multiple tiers of logic the you know the actions that can be taken you know you can run to the next one also it was it was great you know it expanded the capabilities of workflow rules for the time when when it came out but we we quickly saw what you were saying a lot of right the kind of the lack of a solid user interface and the propensity for taking too long to process um, if you have too many of them or if they're not optimized correctly, you know, really made it so that you needed a technical person to configure process builders. So it wasn't as easy as as, as declarative as, as um, we would have wanted it to be. I totally agree. Yeah, and like some of like, I don't know, maybe the dirty secrets of like workflow rules and process builder is, well, what if you want to debug it? Oh, sorry, you got to go to the dev console. You have to go to use the Apex debug logs and you have to figure out what all the tech speak is. And so that's really hard. And so a lot of people ended up just manually testing and don't going that route. And it's really tricky to figure out when I've got 10 rules, what's actually happening. Flow has a debugger. It's like a business user-friendly debugger that tells you exactly what's happening at each place. So you can figure it out. What's actually happening and where it's breaking. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we're further looking at things like, how can you do testing? so that you don't necessarily have to do manual testing. Like the debugger today, it already does a rollback so that you don't have to worry about updating production or sandbox data when you're doing the manual tests or integrations or things like that. And also there's some super exciting things like, you ever had a production issue? You have a user come to you and say, hey, this didn't work as expected. And then you're like, all right, oh crap, I have to go uh, schedule time. Let me get a Zoom set up. Hey, what time works for you? Oh, can you do exactly what you're doing? And then you get on the call and they're like, oh, it's, uh, it's not a problem anymore. And so then you can't reproduce the issue. You don't know what's going on. With Flow, there's literally error links that replay the exact scenario that happened. You never have to set up the Zoom. You can see exactly the scenario that went through in context of that user's permission without ever having to bother them. So you can fix issues fast. Like these are just some of the examples of why we think Flow is so much better and the right tool moving forward. Great. The debugging options of Flows are amazing. And even if you say smaller stuff, the list view, the templates, those are very helpful, especially for us that work with several instances, several orgs in Salesforce. Those small upgrades are amazing. 
and they save us a lot of time. So what's next with Flows? What's coming into the future for Flows? What are our future plans there? Huge amount of innovation planned. And of course, all of this is safe harbor, but some of the things that are now generally available in October, uh, we've made uh, some of the triggering and other capabilities basically at parity with where workflow rules and process builder are there. So that's why we announced in October. We think that for, I'll call it 99% of the stuff, we're at feature parity. There's a few corner case things here and there that we're aware of and working on, but for practical purposes, everything you want to do, you can do with those triggered flows that you previously could do with other stuff. But also there's a bunch of other things we've been focused on. Things like scheduled paths and async paths. It wouldn't it be great to then do a bunch of logic after the save finishes so that you can do higher performance intensive things. This is stuff like integrating with other systems. To further help you do that, we have a lot of MuleSoft customers that make APIs. This is for stuff like updating orders in your ERP or making connections to other legacy systems. You can import those APIs as reusable building blocks that you can use in Flow. And so you could have a opportunity save that then uses an async path, which then uses an API to go update the order or the inventory using all of this low code tools without having to write this code there. That's some of the stuff that's now available in just October. Where we're looking to go in the future is doubling down on making the Flow family of automation work seamlessly with the MuleSoft family of automation and integration. And so we've already done that any point integration for the ProCode APIs. We're planning to also integrate with MuleSoft Composer, which is for line of business users to do automation and integration across popular web apps. Things like I want to update NetSuite. I want to go and update my Google Calendar, Jira, or ServiceNow, or more. And so we want to make it so that folks can define those reusable automation and integrations in Composer and call those from Flow to have that end-to-end -end automation. We also acquired a company that will be rebranded as MuleSoft RPA. That's being rebuilt right now to be seamlessly cloud-first, integrated with Flow and bots and more, so that you can have end-to-end -end automation. Like one example, we have customers that want to do uh, straight-through processing. What they mean by that is fully automated workflows. Simple thing like change address. They're a big company. They've gone through a lot of acquisitions. Just to do change address for insurance policies, they have a flow that might need to update one of 12 different systems that are API connected. So they're using flows to then trigger MuleSoft APIs for that. They have four systems, I kid you not, are Cobalt. And they need to use RPA because they cannot add APIs or connectivity in an efficient way. And so the pattern there is we have flows trigger RPA processes, which then go into those Cobalt systems, do that update, and then report back whether it worked or not. And so this is stuff that previously was off limits to automation because in an API first world, you can't update with things that aren't connected. And so we're making sure that this entire family of solutions allows both the fully automated services really well across systems and departments, but also the multi-user workflows. I love it. So you're planning ahead, planning to the future, planning on integrating everything. That's awesome. Yes, and and, and I think it, it's this is the it makes the most sense, right? I think the the acquisitions uh, that Salesforce has done in regards to the vision to make Salesforce the central repository for all business information and to have all the most critical and key information flowing through or being orchestrated within Salesforce is super key because 
you know, and a lot of the things that we do as an SI is, you know, determine orchestration paths, right? And then, you know, we'll draw big diagrams and stuff that could have been done in a flow, honestly. You know, we'll go into Lucidchart or draw a draw platform like a Visio. And it's like, it looks very similar to how you're building the, the flow user interface. And I think that that's what's sorely missing in, in the industry is, is that orchestration layer to connect all of those systems. And, and, you know, in part is why companies like ourselves exist, right? The SIs of the world, they're to support from a technical perspective and bridge those gaps. But you're making our job a lot easier uh, with this orchestration layer. So we really look forward to the changes that are coming um, and, and getting our hands on uh, as much flow capability as we possibly could. Yeah, and we want to make your jobs easier, the customer's jobs easier. And specifically on orchestration, I see there being two categories. And people use this word, by the way, differently depending on who you talk to. There's like the fully automated stuff where you want to make sure that this update and this API call and this event happen at the right time in the right sequence in the right order. And then there's the people processes. Usually we call them workflows, multi-person workflows. We're introducing Orchestrator already in beta in October as generally available in February. We're super excited about this for multi-user workflows. It'll let you solve for those long running processes. Things like, oh, I have case management for claims, or I need to do a multi-person approval process for doing revenue operations, or I need to have loan applications that touch many different people within the company. Uh, and this is built on the Float platform. And so the Float platform is basically our investment strategy. We not only have triggered automation, which we've talked a lot about, we added that in the last year. We also have guided screen interactions, which are helping one employee or one customer get their job done. Now we have multi-user workflow automation with Orchestrator. And we further have replatformed Next Best Action, where we had a separate builder. We're expecting to make that generally available in flow as a recommendation strategy so that you can do your decisioning, your guided interactions, your triggered automation, your long-running multi-user flows, all in one familiar tool set with best-in-class tools for debugging and testing and more. So we're super excited about the future. And that last thing you mentioned there, it's actually a very good gateway to something that we get asked a lot. And I think it's very important. And it's how does Einstein works with flow? What future plans do you have for Einstein with flows? Yeah, and part of why we love this strategy and why we're so bullish on it is this creates uh, one place for the Einsteins at Salesforce to integrate to for low code all the way through. And so already there are actions inside of Flow to use prediction builder predictions. So an example there is churn analysis. You might want to query, hey, for this customer, what's the likelihood that they're going to churn? Or what's the likelihood that they're going to buy? Um, we also have the integrations with uh, Recommendation Builder. This is for predictions and recommendations. What is the uh, value of this customer? And do we believe we should be offering them a refund based on their profile? This is seamlessly integrated to the Flow stack so that you can incorporate these into your workflows. There's further things like case classification. You can have a workflow and a flow trigger off of emails that come in. You can use the AI to scan that structured and unstructured text to figure out what are people actually trying to do. Route that to the right person with the right job with omni-channel routing. 
and then take action on that intent and automate potentially a resolution. And so what we've seen a lot of customers doing is saying, okay, for these high volume types of cases, oh, it looks like this is a password reset. Hey, customer, we're gonna look at it, but we're gonna send you automatically a response on here's how you can help resolve your password. Oh, you might be looking for a refund. Okay, here's some self-service channels to go and get a refund and to take that next step while you're waiting for us to respond. And so this is a huge opportunity to do both proactive service with folks and then fully automate and integrate your other pieces. That's super exciting. Thank you very much, John. Looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. And I'll leave one last little plug and Easter egg for you podcast listeners. So you might not be aware and we might not be documenting it in detail, but in February, we have a little secret, which is you can control the order of operations of flows. It's kind of buried in the settings menu. You have to go into the flow, click on the settings, and then go into advanced. You can set a number, and then we use that number to relatively order what happens when. We're going to make a great UI for that in June, but for those of you that are eager to get started at the future and control the order of operations within the save for those flows, check it out in February. We're super excited about it, and thanks for listening. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much, uh, John, for your time today. This has been really illuminating. I'm taking a lot of notes that um, I'm going to follow up with, and I think there's an, a great opportunity to expand on some of the topics that we covered here. You know, We really look forward to supporting our customers with this change and helping everybody be successful and, and really utilizing what is uh, looking like a phenomenal tool set. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. This is the Salesforce Drop.